0: Of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to episode number 212 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, October 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and LockedOnRaptors.com, which again, you can go check out, read some stuff I put up there. I'll talk about it a little bit later. I wrote something over the weekend that you should definitely check out. Uh, you can also find the show on Twitter at Locked On Raptors. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Uh, and please subscribe to all the Locked On podcasts as well Locked On NBA, Locked On Fantasy, Locked On Lakers, Locked On Magic. There's a show for all 30 NBA teams, plus a couple extra ones just for a little bit extra fun. And I was on Locked On NBA actually last week with David Locke. You can check that one out, talking about the start of the season and the Raptors' chance at maybe getting a one seed. So if you want to hear my voice even more, I'm over there. Uh, please do all that. It really helps to move the shows up the rankings, helps to make us more visible, and you can do that with Locked On Raptors as well on its own separate iTunes page. Leave a rating, leave a review. It takes no time at all. It takes no money at all, and I really would appreciate anyone taking the time to do it. All right, on today's show, it's another mailbag podcast, of course, because it's Monday and that's what we do because I like to mail it in at the start of the week, um, but uh, yeah, so lots of questions came in today, uh, lots related to what happened over the weekend. Of course, if you missed it, the Raptors just kicked the piss out of the Sixers on Saturday, uh, 128-94, I believe. Um, everyone looked pretty good. The starters kind of got their groove going a little bit, aside from Norm Powell, who looked a little bit like he was kind of trying to force things a little bit too much. But you know, Kyle Lowry looked great, uh, didn't play a ton. He played like 26 minutes. That was great. DeMar DeRozan scored 30 points and did so on 12 shots and was... Incredibly efficient and really fun to watch, made a few really nice plays, had some great footwork as he tends to do, and he looked great. A lot more comfortable and more at home sort of searching for his own shot within the offense. I talked about that last week, remember? I played Dwayne Casey's comments after the first game, just sort of talking about DeMar's process of trying to figure out his spots and and sort of of where to attack within the Raptors offense as it's changed a little bit and it's not really going to be built around him pulling up from mid-range anymore. He's going to have to find seams within the offense to pull up and find his own, own offense but um he he did so pretty well against the Sixers again 30 points on 12 shots and it it all looked balanced looked within the flow of things he was coming around screens uh didn't look like he was hijacking the offense for anything it was it felt like the touches were a lot quicker than they normally would be so that was great to see from DeMar um elsewhere I mean OG and came in he had a couple nice passes he looked pretty good CJ Miles was pretty quiet but the rest of the bench was you know really solid DeLon Wright looked awesome once again Uh, Jakob Pertl and Lucas Noguera, uh, Bebe was thrust into action after Jonas Valanciunas went down injured, and uh, the report from the Raptors is that his ankle, sort of a day-to-day thing it seems, he's on the trip right now with the Raptors, the six-game road trip out west, so that's a positive sign at least. I wouldn't imagine he's going to play tonight against the Spurs, but who knows? That hasn't come out yet. We know the Raptors are pretty tight-lipped with this stuff, but um, the fact that Bebe and y- y- Perl both played really well uh, with, especially with Valanciunas out in the second half, that's really promising. I would expect probably Bebe starts tonight, and there's a question about this, so I won't go too deep into the the, the front court stuff. But I'd probably expect Bebe to start tonight, just because Dwayne Casey. He's, we've seen in the past he's pretty happy to sort of leapfrog the bench guys in terms of you know the starters when they're replacing injuries, just to kind of keep the the continuity of the bench together, and the bench so far has been awesome, so there's no need to mix that up and have Purtle start when you can have Bebe start and probably provide a similar sort of look to what Purtle would, so I would expect to see that tonight, uh, but let's get into your questions here, uh, first one here comes from uh, VTech Poppy do you think the Raptors can maybe not get destroyed by the Warriors on Wednesday? <laughs> um well, I mean, it, it, it's it can kind of go two ways. I like, guess you look at the Warriors; they're one and two so far. They had the crazy meltdown on Saturday against Memphis, where Steph Curry and Kevin Durant got ejected. Maybe they're sort of still figuring things some things out. I don't know. Maybe they're just bored already because they're so good, and it's it, everything just comes so easily to them. Um, They beat the Pelicans on Friday pretty handily after it was kind of a close game and then they kind of just blew them out. Um, I I would expect the Warriors are going to figure things out. Maybe it's a good thing the Raptors are catching them early. Same as with catching the Spurs tonight with no Kawhi Leonard or Tony Parker. I mean, the Raptors are getting lucky there. Uh, Maybe they can get lucky, get the Warriors, but before they've kind of ironed out the kinks and kind of gotten up to a full speed. If not, they could go the other way. Maybe the Warriors are going to respond to what happened on Saturday and become the Warriors again. Maybe they will destroy the Raptors. I don't know. Uh, the Raptors have played the Warriors pretty tough for the most part the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, they haven't won any of the games, but they've been reasonably close a couple times. Uh, so maybe we can look for that next uh, on Wednesday. I don't know, but we'll we'll touch about we'll touch on that game a little bit later in the week. But um, yeah, it, it might be a kind of optimal time for the Raptors to play against the Warriors, considering they're still kind of figuring things out. Um, Next question here comes from DarthLean, at underscore DarthLean underscore. Any predictions on how Bebe will perform in JV's absence? Can this be an opportunity for him to leapfrog Pirtle? Um, so yeah, like I said, I think he's going to leapfrog Pertle just in terms of the rotation for the next couple games, at least until Jonas is back because of the ro- of continuity thing and the, and the lineup thing that Casey's pretty strict with. And if you can do that, if you have enough guys where you can keep your lineups together and not have to sort of upset the apple cart too much... It makes sense. Um, and, and Baby looked really good. 10 points, 8 rebounds, uh, had a nice hilarious dunk and transition uh, where he kind of got out on the break and, and dunked himself. That was pretty fun. Uh, he's always got the lob chemistry with like, with Kyle Lowry, which is another reason to throw him in the starting five, because why not? If you can get a couple lobs early in the game, get that vertical spacing. That's pretty nice as well. Um, I would expect he'll perform probably pretty well because Bebe does this. He'll have great spurts and then things kind of tail off from there. But, you know, the first sort of instance in which you watch Bebe, it's always really stark and kind of surprising at how good he is and how effective he is and how sort of active he is at all times. And then it kind of just kind of goes downhill from there. Uh, That's kind of been the pattern with him over the course of his career. So I'd expect him to play pretty well against the Spurs. Um, I don't really see the Spurs having like any sort of I don't know, formula to stop Bebe from getting lobs or anything like that. They have Pau Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge in the front court. That's not the best defensive pairing. Uh, maybe the the Raptors will struggle rebounding without Jonas, and Bebe's not the best rebounder, but I don't know. That's something for tonight to watch, I suppose. But I think Bebe will be fine. I think it's nice that the Raptors are this deep, and they have like 12 guys they can go to in their rotation and feel reasonably confident that they're going to do something. And that Bebe and Pirtle combined for 24 points, and I think it was 13 rebounds, on Saturday night against the Sixers is pretty promising and if there's a position at which the Raptors can handle an injury, it's definitely center because you have Bebe and and Pirtle of course, and then you have Ibaka who should probably be playing more of his minutes at center in a perfect world if the roster was more set up for him to do so. It's not right now. Maybe we'll see it a little bit more this time. Maybe if Bebe performs poorly out of the gate, maybe we'll see Ibaka slide down to center a little bit more often. Maybe we'll see him close games. The Raptors haven't had a close game yet, so we don't know what their closing lineup for crunch time is going to be. I would still expect Ibaka Buck is probably going to be the center in those situations, and maybe we'll finally get to see his first minutes at center without Bebe. This could be a bit of a time to sort of test out what the Raptors have. Injuries early in the season have kind of sucked; like they're awful, but at the same time, it, it is kind of a nice way for the Raptors to sort of assess what they have and, and sort of reveal some depth maybe that you didn't think was quite there. And this ties into the next question here from Blair Agnew at Go Raps. Uh The onus injury is a bad break or a great opportunity for the Raps. To, is the Jonas injury a bad break or a great opportunity for the Raps to determine the value of Bebe and to a lesser extent Pirtle? Um Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Raptors kind of know what they have in Pirtle at the very least. He's very steady. He's done the same things pretty much every game he's played in his NBA career so far. He gets offensive rebounds. He plays good defense. He goes up for lobs. Uh, He kind of has weak finishes around the basket sometimes. But overall, you know what you're getting from Pirtle. And to the same extent, you know with Bebe what you're getting And to the point that you don't know what you're getting with him. It's predictable that he's going to be unpredictable. Um, So I'm not sure there's much more like assessing of what these guys can do. They're not rookies. We know kind of what they are at this point. Uh, at least what they are at this point in their careers. Maybe Pirtle becomes better down the road, or Bebe does as well, but that's not going to happen in the next couple of games with Jonas out. Um, but I do think, yeah, as I said, it's a nice way to sort of see different ways in which the Raptors can kind of work. Uh, this, this happened last season, right? With uh, you know, with Kyle Lowry out, the Raptors had to workshop a bunch of different lineups to sort of see what was going to work without him. With uh, Jared Sollinger missing the start of the season, the Raptors had to get creative with how they were going out with their small lineups and things like that. Uh, Injury kind of creates necessity, and over the course of a season, you know, it's not good to have injuries per se, but guys missing some time here and there can have a positive side effect in that it makes you test out other things, and maybe you stumble onto something that works pretty well. Um, So maybe we'll see that with Bebe, and maybe we'll find lineups where he's going to work out pretty well, and, and maybe he can be incorporated into the rotation over the course of the season. Maybe that comes at the expense of Purtles minutes, who knows? Maybe Bebe just totally outperforms Purtle right now. I feel like Purtles ceiling has always been a little bit lower than what Bebe's is. Like Bebe's best games are way more energetic and just joyous than than Purtles are because uh, Pertle's just so steady and just fundamentally sound. Um, but yeah, it, maybe there's a chance for Bebe to kind of break in and get, get a more of an increased role, maybe have it to be more of a matchup thing where it's Purtle or Bebe. It's not necessarily that one guy has the job as the backup center over the other guy. Maybe it's a thing where it's fluid, and based on the matchup, based on how guys are playing, Dwayne Casey will kind of pick and choose who he wants to play backup center from night to night. Um, next question here from Fan Rapsfan at Rapsfan1237. With OG playing regular minutes in the backup role, do you think he will spend any time with the 905 this season, should he? Honestly, I I expected OG to spend most of this season with the 905 uh, before the sort of... You know, the early return from injury, I thought he was going to kind of come back late, get some time to sort of season, get back up to speed in the in the G League and then potentially come up for later in the season. Kind of the same way like Norm Powell did, for example, a couple years ago. He wasn't hurt, but he did take the first half of the season to sort of dominate the G League and kind of get up to speed. And then the Raptors brought him in and he was a pretty nice piece that they could throw out when they needed him to. Um, whereas OG, like, I don't know, he looks like he's the backup four at this point. I don't know, there's been nothing to suggest that he isn't. He's played well in the first two games. Um, his offense looked a little bit shaky in the last game. The, the three point shooting is still going to be a work in progress for him. It's kind of a long release that he has, I've noticed. Um, he'll get the ball, and it doesn't really feel like it's the same release every time. It's a little bit wonky, um, and I think that's probably natural for a guy who has seven foot four arms and you're kind of figuring out how to be, you know, he, f- keep in mind, he just had nine months off. He's barely played, and for for, for him to sort of get back up to speed on offense, that's going to take some time. Um, I think, and Zach Lowe pointed this out on Twitter, actually, which I think was to the delight of many. Uh, the positive thing with OG is that his passing seems to be really sharp and quick, and, and just, he's very intuitive on the court. Uh, and Zach Lowe said, like, he, and, you know, when Zach Lowe says it, it's kind of gospel at this point. Like, if, if the sort of, one of the things you want to look for in rookies to see if they're picking up the speed of the NBA game is if their passing is on point, and OG's has been so far, and I think that's positive. Even if his offense is a little shaky, even if his defense, we haven't really seen the uh, defensive upside for him just yet because, well, the Raptors haven't had to you know go to him as like a really good defensive option just yet because they've been playing some dog-crap teams, but um, no, I think OG, what he's done so far and things can change. He's a rookie. There will be you know peaks and valleys, but I think what he's done so far, and the way the roster's set up, and how there's just a gaping hole at that four spot in terms of guys who can play maybe a bit of three, maybe a bit of four, and kind of be switchy, and, and also be part of the offense. That's kind of what Pascal Siakam is lacking right now. He's got the size, he's got the switchability, but the offensive refinement isn't quite there for him, uh, so I don't think, that, I think that's probably why he's behind OG at this point. So I don't really see Barring some sort of you know, cataclysmic falloff in OG's ability to pass and, and read the floor, I don't see him going down to the G League very soon or at all this season, and I think that's probably a good thing. Why not have him sort of learn on the fly? You know, I've talked about this before, this season is about developing these guys and hopefully looking at 2018-19 as the real you know, all-in year for this window, and having OG play in the NBA this season, and if you're going to pick up wins in the process, I think it's a good idea. I think it's he's probably got the highest upside of any of the Raptors' young guys at this point. Obviously, he's the furthest away from his upside of any of these guys, but um, I think he's got the highest sort of peak if he can kind of develop and just learn to grow and become a better player. On the fly with the Raptors, and I think there's the opportunity here for him to do that. So I doubt we're going to see him thrown out of the 905. I honestly expect to see Pascal Siakam play for the 905 before we see OG. So that's kind of my stance there. OG's been really fun, man. He's been uh, just a, a treat so far, and hopefully that continues. All right, I had another question come in from uh at, at underscore DarthLean underscore. Best and worst Raptors tattoos. Uh, and I tried to sort of dive into this a little bit, uh, just kind of looking at pictures. And this is, uh, you can clarify the question in terms of guys on the team right now. Um, for me, it kind of starts and ends with Jonas's like necklace tattoo. That is the worst tattoo I've seen on a player, uh, and that's about it. I don't really have anything else to add. Uh, t- tattoos are personal to certain guys. I like the way, like, Demar's sleeve looks, um, and I don't really want to comment too much on other guys' tattoos because I know what they mean. Like, people have special meanings behind their tattoos, so I'm not going to go too deep into what I think looks good and bad because it looks good and bad to different people for different reasons. Um, but, yeah, no, in terms of just, like, tattoos that I don't really think mean anything, Jonas's necklace tattoo, uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, there are better tattoos out there, I'll say that. Um, next question comes from uh, those guys underscore tg. I was actually on their podcast a couple of, a couple days ago. Uh, check out Michael's work, uh, Michael Apia Kubi. Um, and question here, number one: With Pascal Siakam not playing a lot of minutes, do you see him getting traded? I don't really see him getting traded. No, I think the Raptors are kind of all in on this youth movement. And I think if like young guys more likely to move, it's probably someone with less years of control, like uh, Lucas Nogueira at this point, if the Raptors need to match salaries or something like that for a move. Um, and I don't really know if that move is going to be out there this season. Um, Trading Siakam is the last thing. Like You don't want to go trading away from a surplus of guys just because it's there. Uh, there are injuries over the course of the season, especially with young guys as well, as I mentioned. like OG's going to have times where he's struggling or where he's playing well, and it'd be nice to have Siakam there to maybe try if OG's having a down spell. Why not have Siakam to throw in to see if he can provide something? Um, Siakam's going to have a role in this team. I think he's probably going to play some small ball five at some point this season, whether it's in like a really experimental lineup, whether there's injuries, whether, Pascal Siak- Sorry, whether Serge Ibaka is sitting out, because it's a back-to-back or something like that. Um, I think we'll, we'll see Siakam at some point this year. It's early days. I don't think we're going to see the same rotation going forward. It's kind of easy to sort of look at what the Raptors have done and say, hey, they should just keep this rotation going forward the entire, seasons, but, the entire season. But I don't think it's smart to have you know full lineups without one of Kyle or DeMar on the floor. And they've done that so far, and they've gotten away with it because they've been playing against the Bulls and the Sixers without Joel Embiid. But as you get into better opponents, and we'll see them this week on this road trip, I think uh, Dwayne Casey's going to have to sort of tighten things up a little bit. Maybe keep Fred Van Vliet as like the sort of. Sparing rotation guy, the number ten guy who doesn't play all that much, he's been thrown in that second unit at this point. But I think you know Lowry in that unit would look a lot better against really good teams. Um, there, so what I'm saying is like there's going to be some changes to the rotation over the course of the season. We saw last year like they started out with Bebe and Pascal Siakam as in the front court full time, and then by the time you know the, the new year came around. You had guys like uh, like Jakobertel, kind of overleaping, over over overtaking, leaping slash overtaking. Uh, man, every time I do this podcast, I just reach new levels of inability to speak. So. Uh, thank you for, for putting up with me. But anyway, uh, yeah, we saw like Pirtle jump over uh, Bebe in the rotation last season mid-year. Uh, just because it's the rotation on the, on the first day of the season doesn't mean that's how it's going to be when it ends. And I think a lot of people kind of had Siakam penciled in to be the backup four to start the year. Obviously, OG's changed those plans, but it doesn't mean things can't change again. We're two games in against two teams that are really hard to pull anything from because they're so bad. Uh, next question also from those guys at tg. Should the Raptors look at getting Bledsoe? Um, Yeah, Eric Bledsoe, of course, it sounds not great there in Phoenix. Earl Watson was fired yesterday. Uh, Bledsoe was looking for a trade. He tweeted, I don't want to be here. He said, apparently, according to Ryan McDonough, the GM, that uh, he tweeted that while he was in a hair salon. He didn't buy it. Um, I wouldn't buy it either. <laughs> kind of bummed out that Bledsoe was backtracking at all because I, I kind of like that he's just openly uh, asking for a trade and saying that he's not happy with the situation because the Suns are a disaster. Um I don't think the Raptors are going to look at getting Bledsoe. First of all, trading for that contract is not going to make sense. I saw someone throw into the trade machine, I think as a joke, uh, Valanchunas for Bledsoe. That doesn't make any sense. The roster doesn't make sense uh, to have Bledsoe on this team. The Raptors have enough guards. DeLon Wright's been awesome. If, you know, if Eric Bledsoe comes to town, you're going to see less DeLon Wright. You're going to see less Norm Powell probably as well because Bledsoe will have to play at the two. And like maybe Bledsoe is better than those guys, but I don't think it compromising the development for a guy who has been good but also has a lot of injury problems. And obviously there's something going on there with the sort of chemistry and the makeup of the Suns' locker room. I don't know. I don't want to blame that on Bledsoe at all, but this isn't good that's coming out of Phoenix. I don't know. It seems just like a thing that the Raptors don't need to do and I know everyone wants to throw the Raptors into every potential trade talk that there is. This season is, like, the last season to do that for. It's just, it's hard to make deals. The Raptors are kind of set up. Um, there's no need for them to make an all-in move this season because they're really set up well for the next couple of years, and they're not losing, you know, there's no free agent at the end of the season where they're, like, trying to keep them and, and, you know, sort of make moves to say, hey, Kyle Lowry, please stay here because we really want you. This is what we're trying to do to win. Like, the Raptors don't have to do that this year. And if maybe things change. Maybe the Cavs look terrible midseason, and maybe the... Uh, the Celtics, I mean, the Celtics don't look great at all, uh, and not having Gordon Hayward's going to really limit their ceiling, I think, as well. Maybe the Bucks. you know, they look amazing so far this season, but maybe the Bucks aren't built well enough to be sort of a top-tier team in the East uh, this season, at least. I think that's coming very soon, and it's horrifying, but... You no, know, maybe that maybe by midseason that things look differently, and the Raptors can like honestly talk themselves into making a finals. And if that happens, maybe they'll look at making a trade. But again, it's really hard to make deals. A lot of their contracts are you know they're they're, they're tradable contracts are the ones for players that you know you got to have on the team like Tamar and Kyle and Norm uh, and even Jonas. But Jonas, you're probably not getting much back for um, his contract is enormous. And the sort of the, those kinds of trades have been center for center for the last little while here. You're not getting a couple wings for a center or a good wing for a center. That's just not how it's working out. That's not how the market works. Centers are less valuable than Wings at this point. Um, So it's hard to expect anything there. And also, it's probably good that Jonas is still on the team. I know we were talking last year or over the summer about dumping Jonas for nothing and trying to do the Damari Carroll treatment to him. And I think, you know, in hindsight, that would have been really silly. He's really talented. He still does a lot of good things for the team. I still have questions about how he, you know, fits in finishing games and things like that. But Jonas is a valuable player and a useful player to have, and giving him away for nothing would have been really dumb. Uh, and it's uh, good that the Raptors didn't do that, I think, and it was smart, and I guess Messiah Jiri is smarter than all of us in uh, seeing that he wasn't going to do that this this year. Um, but yeah, no, back to the, the trade thing, like Bledsoe, I know people want to throw the, the, the Raptors' name into every trade talk, but yeah, Bledsoe doesn't really fit. The Raptors have enough guards as it is, and the, the the just I don't know. And also, you have to think about it from the Suns' perspective. Why would they want to bring back Jonas Valanciunas when they already have Tyson Chandler and Alex Len on the team? That doesn't make much sense either. Um, you know, a Valanciunas trade probably only makes sense if you're trading for another big who's sort of similar, but also uh, has a bit of a different skill set that maybe you can count on. I think Zach Lowe threw out Tyson Chandler as a potential target. You know, maybe mid season. If uh, the Raptors are looking to trade Valanciunas, but you know that's well down the road, and I think Valanciunas has played pretty well this season, and there's no need to trade him at this point. Um, and Bledsoe, just he's a good player; he'll end up somewhere good probably. And if it's like Denver, that's great. We'd love to see him on Denver because they need a point guard so bad. Uh, the Raptors aren't aren't in need, and you don't need to put them into every trade deal. So no, I don't think the Raptors are going to do that. And then question number three from those guys: uh, way too early, but will the Raptors have two All Stars this year? I think so, probably. Uh, Kyle and Damar three straight years or three of the last four years for both of them and two straight years they've both been in I I don't know I don't really see where they're losing their spot a bunch of All-Stars went out west and Gordon Hayward got hurt and it just it doesn't seem like there's that many spots that are really up for contention at this point and you know there aren't aren't a whole lot of locks and if you're sort of looking for locks in the east I would say Damar and Kyle are definitely among like the seven or eight guys who you you, you would call locks to be All-Stars or maybe ten Um, so yeah, I'm not too worried about those two not making it. And I don't think they'll have a third all-star unless like Norm Powell goes insane, uh, and does what he did in the first game, but to even more, you know, even to a greater extent over the course of the first half of the year. So I wouldn't expect that maybe OG gets in. I don't know. (laughs) Probably not. But no, yeah, I think two all-stars is is pretty fair to sort of pencil in as long as there's no injuries and, uh, yeah, so that'd be it for me. Um. Yeah, that's going to do it the, Thank you so much for tuning into the Mailbag Podcast We'll be back again tonight I'm going to do a post-game podcast Not sure if I'm going to have a guest just yet I'm going to try to line one up uh, But I'm going to have a post-game podcast uh, Later this week I'm going to record a uh, Lakers preview uh, With uh, Anthony Irwin and maybe Harrison Fagan From Locked On Lakers Uh, the one, the one I did last year with Anthony We just sort of talked about the Raptors and Lakers And how their situations compare uh, And I'm going to try to do these a lot this season talking to the Locked On host, just not really t- talking about the, the game itself that's coming up, but more so just like how the teams are and like where they're situated kind of thing. Because um, I thought those, you know, played pretty well last season. And the one I did with Anthony last year, people really seemed to dig. So uh, we'll have Anthony on and maybe Harrison as well this, this week to tee up the Lakers game on Friday. Uh, not sure what I'm going to do to preview the Warriors game, but stay tuned for that as well. I'm not going to see the Warriors game live, I don't think. I'm going to be at a Fall Out Boy concert. Um, laugh at me if you want. Follow Out Boy, uh, one of the bands of the yachts, I suppose, that uh, kind of brought me up. So uh, it'll be my last day of being under 25 years old and I'm bringing it in with Fall Boy. So I don't know. <laughs> Not the best way to end up my first quarter century, I suppose. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's the plan for the rest of the week. Hopefully, I have Sahal and Vivek back incorporated. Uh, just sort of schedules just didn't line up at all last week, and they're very busy guys who have school and work to deal with, and I only have the latter. Um, so it's still going to work to try to get those guys on a little bit more often, but, and we're we'll going to get other guests and stuff as well. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, also, I think today there's going to be a bit of a change in the podcast. We're switching platforms to a different site. Um, and I'm, I, I think it will be fine. I think everything is going to transfer smoothly and you shouldn't even notice in like your iTunes feed. But uh, if there's a problem, that's what it is. And obviously that'll be sorted out. But yeah, let me know if there's an issue with downloading the podcast or anything like that over the next 24 hours or so. Uh, it shouldn't be a problem, though. I think it's all going to be kind of squared away and it'll be a seamless transition. But That's that. Uh, Lockdown Raptors, please go there. I wrote over the weekend uh, about four different plays you're going to see a million times this season from the Raptors, kind of just throwing them into the sort of batch of plays that you kind of come to expect from the Raptors, like Kyle Lowry pull-ups and you know DeMar DeRozan pulling up from mid-range and getting fouled and things like that, stuff you see all the time over the course of a Raptors game. Uh, Highlighted four of those plays from four of the new guys, at least four of the more, uh, not, not, not necessarily new guys, but four guys who have more pronounced roles, I guess, in the Raptors offense this season, so stay tuned for that. Actually, that's already been written, so read that. Uh, I'll have some other stuff this week on LockedOnRaptors.com, working on something from Monday as well in relation to the Blazers that I'm hoping is going to be kind of fun. So stay tuned for all that. Uh, LockedOnRaptors.com. You can listen to the Hoop Talks podcast as well. Uh, that's my podcast with Mitch Robson talking about the rest of the NBA, not the Raptors, and uh, it's, a, it's a good time. We, there's like an animated video out from our first – Uh, from our second episode talking about the Denver Nuggets. So you can find that as well on my Twitter account if you want to check that out. It was pretty fun. And that's going to do it for all the self-promotion stuff. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back again later tonight with a post-game podcast after the Spurs game. And enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Easier said. Done.